Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of Casting the Net. Today is a little bit different. It's a very unique episode because we have Father Dave himself, who just returned from a pilgrimage trip to Santiago and Fatima. And he talks all about the things that he learned on this trip, the journey. And I did not know this, but apparently as part of this pilgrimage, you walk for roughly seven days. And for those of us who know Father Dave, he never ceases to amaze us. So it's really no surprise that he did this. But yeah, you walk for seven days. And along this journey, he recounts some of the things that he learned, some life lessons uh, that he you know, thought about and some realizations that he came to. And so this is a really great episode, a lot of great advice in this one. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this week's episode of Casting the Net. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey friends, Father Dave here, and I'm here uh, without my co-host Rick today, um, having just returned from a pilgrimage about which I want to speak, and unable to uh, connect with Rick to complete a recording and wanting to just to continue to be able to populate new episodes weekly. The, the motif of pilgrimage is constant in the Bible itself. The, the scriptures begin with, with, uh, with a pilgrimage of sorts with Adam and Eve uh, um, cast out of Eden and on a journey, a pilgrimage to go where? To, to work their way back uh, eventually into Eden. Sort of the rest of the story is, is how humanity can find its way led by God, past the cherubim who have the flaming swords at the tree of life. Uh, we, we hear the story of the Exodus and the chosen people to the promised land. Uh, even our blessed Lord, in a way, the central, a, a motif of his time on earth is as a pilgrim journeying to Jerusalem and to Calvary. And Soon after the death of, of, of our blessed Lord, as well as the apostles themselves, these sites become sacred for the faithful to make their way as pilgrims to be able to pray. And I just returned from a second opportunity to traverse part of a venerable pilgrimage route that really began uh, around the year 1000 AD in Spain. It's known as the Camino de Santiago, and it was popularized, at least in the United States, with a, with a movie that was directed by Emilio Estevez, in which his father, Martin Sheen, starred, called The Way, uh, a movie that maybe 15 years ago was, maybe it was 10 years ago, <laughs> it was some time ago, was was produced in a movie that I, I recommend, though there are some aspects of it that uh, there's discretion that would need to be used with with younger viewers. It's a it's a movie that depicts this Camino de Santiago, and a lot of the surprises that just are part and parcel of being a pilgrim. Uh, what makes a pilgrimage isn't the latitude and the longitude. What makes a pilgrim is the attention with which we travel. Um, in this instance, I was speaking with our school children before I left and contrasting pilgrimage with tourism. 
being a pilgrim versus being a tourist. And there's nothing wrong with being a tourist, though the idea of tourism is I'm at the center of being entertained and being comfortable. A pilgrim embarks upon an adventure, albeit uh, with twists and turns that are before them, for a spiritual reason. That spiritual reason might not even be clearly defined, but there's something leading the pilgrims. Or in our case, as followers of Christ and members of his church, it's a someone who is inviting us to sojourn so that we can encounter the Lord in new and exciting ways. This Camino de Santiago, Santiago de Compostela, it is of origins in northwest Spain. That's where Santiago is is located. And the tradition is that St. James the Apostle, James Santiago, James, is buried there. The the way of St. James, the Camino de Santiago, has been followed by millions of pilgrims since I mentioned about the year 1000. Really, it was the it was the ninth century that it first began, though in earnest, um, a couple of hundred years later, when it was the ninth century that the tomb the Apostle James was discovered in Santiago, and since then. People have made pilgrimage there to pray at the tomb of St. James, and they've done so from all over the world. They've walked the various routes, a traditional route across northern Spain that I had the privilege of first walking together with five close friends. And then the reunion tour is what we just did together. Uh, Five of those men all married, five of those men all fathers, Wives invited this year, and three of the five wives joined us. This year, not across northern Spain, but through a route that is known as the Portuguese route, um, which back in the day was a royal route that originated in Porto, Portugal, and extended all the way to Santiago, Spain. It is an astonishing experience to go on pilgrimage. And one need not go to Santiago or Rome or Jerusalem to be a pilgrim, right? In fact, if we could approach each and every day as being a pilgrim, we would be far more likely to recognize the surprises that God has for us. Instead of our controlling the day and demanding its comforts as as a tourist would and being entertained, Uh, What if we were to wake up every single day and and take to heart an image that the church herself gives to us in the second Vatican II documents, church as pilgrim, and that we are making our way across the earthly stage day by day as step by step towards our heavenly destination. As this trip was organized, we rendezvoused in Lisbon, Portugal, a country I've never visited, and a beautiful, beautiful city that is right on the ocean. And after um, being together for uh, a night and and a day just simply to set ourselves as pilgrims and make sure that we were ready for our, our own adventure, we first traveled from Lisbon to Fatima, and many of you already know that Fatima was the site in Portugal 
where Christ permitted Our Lady to appear to three shepherd children, two of whom had been canonized saints, um, Saint Saint Francisco and Saint Jacinta. In more recent years, the third visionary, who lived a very long life, died, and she is on the way to canonization, having recently received the uh, second of four stages towards becoming a saint with the category of Venerable, Venerable Lucia. I have never been to Fatima, though I certainly have been influenced by Fatima the entirety of my life. The apparitions occurring in 1917, originally an angel in 1916, uh, appearing to the shepherd children in anticipation of our Blessed Mother who would appear to them six times uh, uh, in six consecutive months, um, five of those months and the 13th of the month, culminating with a miracle whose testimony is ascribed by secular sources uh, known as the dancing sun, and 70,000 people having witnessed this miraculous celestial movement of the sun uh, in a way that a sign had been promised by Our Lady to the, through the children to the world of the authenticity of her messages. Uh, today, it's a, it's a very large pilgrimage site, people from all over the world making their way to Fatima. And the angel appearing to the children uh, took place near the homes in which they lived. The apparition site for our Blessed Mother in 1917 to the children is a little bit removed from the angel first appearing to the children. And it is a it is a massive site that is designed as such places are, like St. Peter's in Rome, like Lourdes in France, to accommodate throngs of pilgrims. I don't know what the capacity in the square of Fatima is for pilgrims, but I would I would estimate it's it's certainly the equivalent of St. Peter's in Rome. It is a massive, massive um, space, and there are various churches that are there. And the most significant of those churches being the very spot where the apparitions took place in 1917. And I presented myself to an office when I arrived, uh, not having said anything up in advance, but being hopeful that the Lord would just simply provide. And as only the Lord in his graciousness would do, um, my having my having been a native, my being a native English speaker uh, coincided with their interest in, in having a native English speaker be able to preside and preach at Holy Mass at the apparition site. So all of that was arranged. And then also there are confessions that are available through that sacrament. And it's always a gift when a pilgrimage site in a country in which English is not the first language has an English-speaking priest. So I had the opportunity just simply to share priestly life and ministry in beautiful ways, undoubtedly with with pilgrims who are all over the world, though that wouldn't be a question that I would ever ask um, where uh, someone is from in the confessional. 
as the real focus is just trying to guide them to receive the mercy that happens through this holy sacrament. Uh, various uh, dialects um, would give way at people from the UK or South Africa or Australia, or perhaps um, African nations where English is a second language, but a, a language that's comfortable for people. So there was a real Catholic experience, an international experience, not only in languages that were heard, but in peoples who were met, and a real great religious fervor, a fervor for the living God, a fervor for repentance, which is one of the hallmarks of Fatima, that were to receive divine mercy and be able to move in a different way, which is what repentance is. Repentance isn't a blackboard that just simply washes away sin. Repentance is a firm commitment fortified by grace to move in a direction that is more wholehearted towards Christ. And it was a really remarkable experience to be able to pray there over the course of two days, to be able to pray the Stations of the Cross, to be able to pray the Rosary, to be able to pray at Holy Mass, to be able to pray through the Sacrament of Reconciliation, uh, to participate in benediction um, on one of the nights that we were present there, benediction was celebrated with a long procession that took place around the great plaza, the great square, calling it a square, but it it likened a couple of football fields, several football fields, I, maybe maybe four football fields, maybe more. I don't know, but it was a it was an enormous space, and as well as the private prayer, private prayer at at the apparition sites, uh, private prayer in some of the various churches that are on location, uh, sharing prayer with other individuals, some of which was extemporaneous, people coming up and asking for articles to be blessed or themselves to be blessed because of my having been recognized as a priest, um, especially after the Mass at the apparition site. From Lourdes, for, excuse me, from Fatima, we traveled north to our staging point right near the Portugal-Spain border and walk the distance from there over the course of several days. I think it was six or seven. Maybe it was seven days to to Santiago itself. And, you know, when you walk, you have a lot of opportunity to think, opportunity to converse, some of the conversation, playful banter, other conversation, more serious exchange. Um, all of us four years ago gathered for this walk. All of us in our in our fifties, um, and knowing that we're on the second half of life, and if we use the idea of a golf course, we don't know if we're on the seventeenth hole or the twelfth or thirteenth hole. We don't know, but we do know that we all want to be more intentional with choices that we make. That time itself might be the single most valuable asset that we that we have at this season of life and we don't want to squander it foolishly but we want to use each and every day as gift that God gives to us to be able to glorify God and make positive impact in the lives of those whom we encounter in daily living <laughs> one of our one of our battle cries maybe it sounds silly to some but 
uh, it was an exchange that came forth with one of the men first, and then all of the guys and their wives sort of latched onto it. And it's the idea that today, today when we awaken, is a great day to die. (laughs) And if, Lord, you permit us to live this day, then let us do something extraordinary by means of your grace. And that extraordinary just might even be savoring the delights of Almighty God's beauty, receiving the splendor of God's goodness, being able to appreciate divine truth maybe in a new and particular way. Whatever that might be, just let it be for your greater glory and honor and for the benefit and the contribution made to make other lives better. That's really an attitude of pilgrim, which is not so much planning for every single contingency as much as it's the Marian plea of let it be done unto us according to your word. As we approach Santiago, Spain, the excitement and the anticipation it builds, so do the aches and pains, by the way. It's just really beautiful how the Lord permits just enough discomfort to have reminded all of us that we were pilgrims and not tourists. Of course we had a wonderful time. Of course we enjoyed great dinners. We also enjoyed delicious uh, Portuguese and Spanish wines. So we're not walking barefoot on hot coals uphill, though we are doing things in a in a manual way that um, that allows us to have just enough discomfort where we're mindful of the Lord and leaning more into Christ. He permits that. It also heightens the anticipation as you're getting closer. I'm meeting many people from many different countries and different continents along the way, praying the rosary together as a group. And doing that each and every day as we walked was a powerful witness to many people. How do I know that? Because there were people who joined us who chose to walk with us, whether they had a rosary or not. There was an invitation for people to be accepted by us and an invitation that was accepted by some. Masses that were celebrated daily wherever we could find the location to do so. In some cases, we were able to use local churches. In other cases, we were outside in locations that we were able to use. In still other cases, it might have been an inside location that was made available to us um, in the place where we where we stayed for the evening. The very last day of our pilgrimage was the only day that it rained, and it rained considerably. <laughs> By the second mile of what was our shortest day of pilgrimage, it was only a nine-mile walk. Um, our feet were totally, totally drenched, and all of us knew that this was going to be a... Um, in some ways, a, a, a more difficult day to traverse. But the difficulty didn't didn't uh, drown the joy. The joy was heightened as we got closer and closer to Santiago and eventually entering into the great square, the great cathedral square, where it's, it's really an astonishing place. On one side of the square is a, is a building. There's four enormous buildings that demarcate this huge square. And on one side, one building is the uni- a university building. On another side, opposite the Grand Cathedral, is what today is City Hall in Santiago. On another side, 
Today it's a hotel that was built in 1499 as a hospital as pilgrims were arriving in Santiago sick. And in many cases, it was a one-way trip in the end of the 15th, 16th, 17th centuries. And then, of course, the completion of the square is the cathedral itself. And although it is a grand facade, it was never the facade that was uh, established as the main entrance into the cathedral. That was a later addition in the square when the hospital itself was built at the very at the end of the very end, 1499, the end of the 15th century. And you see pilgrims, even in the rain, and ourselves included, uh, joyous, embracing each other, in some cases taking to their knees, um, exclaiming thanks to the living God. Um, In my particular case, I'll just share that I solicited petitions expressly from the kids in our Catholic school And then also through them, faculty and staff and others who caught wind of my going as a pilgrim, giving me written petitions and in some cases some other items, asking me if I could take them to both Fatima and to Santiago, praying over those petitions, which were hundreds, every single day, having the petitions rest on altars in which masses were celebrated by me, and ultimately taking them to the tomb of St. James, which I did with um, great emotion, which I'm kind of experiencing again now with the privilege of carrying prayers, um, which is what priest does. A priest is an intermediary between God and humanity, sometimes speaking God's word, striving to do that faithfully for the benefit of humanity, for the church, and other times speaking on behalf of the church to the living God and pleading on their behalf for divine mercy to be given and healing to be received. Friends, I really appreciate you just taking time with me to let me uh, relive the astonishing adventure that was my recent pilgrimage, both to Fatima and then also to Santiago via the Camino de Santiago and the Portuguese way. And... um, Know how much I deeply appreciate you and appreciate that there's something of, of what Rick and I are doing together through this podcast that you find helpful and valuable as you continue your sojourn, sojourn as pilgrims across the earthly stage as members of the Church of Christ. We're casting the net. God be with you. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.